Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Legal Brief. I'm Misty Maris, and as always, I'm joined by my executive producer, Lauren Mincer-Clark. Hi. Lauren and I have been on a bit of a hiatus. It's my fault. I've been on trial. I've been dealing with many different things. Let's also (laughs) talk about one quick thing, and I know that you're never going to want me to talk about this, but also we have to talk. One thing that happened in this hiatus, you were named one of the power women of Manhattan, by the way, while we were gone, and there was an award ceremony just, what, like last week? I mean, congratulations. This is a huge deal. It's also why we're doing this podcast, because you are outstanding. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much. You're right. I never would have brought that up myself, but I really appreciate (laughs) that. It was actually just quick it was such an amazing night. There were women of, throughout all different industries who were at the award ceremony. And the keynote speaker was uh, Letitia James, our attorney general here in New York. So it was really amazing. Oh, amazing. Uh, and it was covered by, yeah, Rosanna Scotto was covering the whole thing. So there's a really great interview with Rosanna. And it was just, uh, it was a really, really lovely event. Beautiful night. And thank you so much, Lauren. You know, more power to women. I love being part yes. of organizations. And it was yes. so wonderful to be honored in that way. So thank you so much. Yes, of course. Fantastic. You know what? Now, yes, yes, and it was a lot of fun. And we're going to continue to do all that good work. But now we're back. And we're yes. ready to dive into all of the biggest true crime cases, everything that's going on. There's a bunch of upcoming trials that we're going to talk about. But first, let's pick up. Almost exactly where we left off. It's funny how these cases continue yep. to and tell me what's going on. I mean, and it's one of our favorites. We are the biggest Housewives fan. We have been obviously very open about that. But Erica Jane, back in the headlines, you actually called this the last time that we talked about it because it, you know, we talked about how she seemingly was in a great place and had a huge victory. But you actually said at the open of that podcast, but there's an asterisk because you thought that there could be something that could come further down the line, which has happened now because she has been accused of being the front woman of a criminal enterprise in a lawsuit where they are looking for at least $55 million. And Misty, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, it's the co-counsels from from a, uh, Tom Girardi's former law, uh, law firm, correct? So this is a yes, big deal. So What's going on? This is huge. So it's the co-counsel from Tom Girardi's uh, lawsuit involving Lion Air. And if you remember, Lion Air is the lawsuit where Tom Girardi was accused of siphoning off a significant amount of funds. They, they couldn't pay the plaintiffs. Ultimately, this is the lawsuit that really exposed Tom Girardi's actions throughout all of this time and and actually triggered multiple other lawsuits from other victims who were his clients who never did get paid. So that co-counsel, so this is what happens in these types of cases. They're located in Chicago. That's a monster case, right? That's, mm-hmm. That is a huge, huge, huge case. It's what's called mo- uh, multi-jurisdictional litigation. So a lot of times, somebody like Tom Girardi, who's got this big name in the personal injury world, right, at the time, like before all of, all of these uh, issues came to light, he's this big name. So people, when when you have a catastrophic event like the Lion Air crash, they go to him. 
but because he needs counsel in different jurisdictions to actually deal with the case because he's a lawyer in California, Mm -hmm. right? So he might get admitted, but he needs lawyers in the venue where the case is pending. They hire co-counsel. So that co-counsel said, hey, what the heck is going on? Why aren't the plaintiffs getting their money? Where's the money? And there's all sorts of emails, recordings and whatnot going back and forth between Tom Girardi, where he's like punting them, you know, just kind of Mm -hmm. punting, kicking the ball until finally they they ended up filing the lawsuit and, and all of that. And then this, you know, it's like an avalanche after that, right? All of these other allegations come out, all of these prior bad acts, all of these investigations by the bar became exposed. So in that lawsuit in uh, that's venued in Illinois in Chicago, if you remember, Lauren, you alluded to it, Erica Jane was a named party. And that's in addition to Tom Girardi and his law firm Girardi Keith. Now, a lot of people said it's a victory. Mm-hmm. Case yes, it was headlines said, everywhere. Yep, everywhere. And I read the headlines and I said, really? And then I read the article and I read the complaint and I read the stipulation and I said, ah, victory, not so much. Uh-huh. All that was was a withdrawal of that particular complaint in Illinois, uh, withdrawing without prejudice, meaning that it can be refiled in another jurisdiction. So both parties agreed withdraw the complaint without prejudice, without prejudice, meaning it can be refiled. That case gets dismissed. Well, just as we predicted, Lauren, that mm-hmm. case has been refiled. The reason that the Chicago one didn't go forward against her, there's jurisdictional issues. Can she be sued in Chicago? Maybe not. There's arguments to be made as to whether or not that court actually has jurisdiction over her. But guess where she can be sued, Lauren? California. Mm-hmm. And that's where this case is filed. So the complaint, serious allegations, racketeering, lots of them, receipt of stolen property, aiding and abetting concealment, money received conversion, unlawful business practices, Con- Consumer Legal Remedies Act, and deceit. So what does this all mean? Well, basically, what we were mm. talking about before, that prior case going after Tom Girardi and Girardi Keese, The law firm, the co-counsel, had called that law firm a house of cards. It was essentially a Ponzi scheme and that it was just a means for Tom Girardi to fund his lavish lifestyle, that he was taking money from one person and paying it to the next person, paying it to the next person. But it was never truly generating the amount of money that people thought and that he was actually using a lot of that for his own personal use. Now... It's a very similar case. The case against Erica Jane, where they call her the front woman. All of these legal allegations, we could go through them one by one, but I'm just going to give you the big picture. They're alleging that she is part of the conspiracy. And not only is she part of the conspiracy, she is the front woman. She is a prime person. She is somebody who is implicitly involved in this conspiracy. And what's the conspiracy? To take that money, wherever it comes from, from plaintiff settlements, fees that are not paid to vendors, whatever it might be, that's all in the complaint. Take it and funnel it into her business, funnel it into properties, funnel into wherever. You know, you've heard this term, um, and this is not what they say in the lawsuit, but you've heard that term like cleaning the money, Mm -hmm. right? That you you take the money and you put it in different places for the purpose of hiding it. And that's what this is. And so this lawsuit says that she's a fundamental part of this conspiracy, that she and Tom Girardi actually conspired to 
take that money and hide that money. So it's a very, very serious allegation. The law in California is really, really strict and tough when it comes to these type of civil complaints. Um, again, just want to reiterate, it is civil, it's mm-hmm. not criminal. This isn't yes. jail time. This is money. And this is going after assets that might have been protected if she was not part of the, the civil conspiracy. So, for instance, she has her own money that she's making from housewives, right? She has mm-hmm. her own money from endorsements and whatnot. Um, anything that's part of their marital property, that's all part of those bankruptcy estates. But now they're saying that she's so linked that any money that she's ever generated actually goes back to this criminal enterprise. Which, and and so, can you can I ask one thing real quick? And yeah. I apologize, but it There's this is a very different tune than the the first time around because the first time around it seemed as though she was kind of just like a side part it was like this second this new thing all of these allegations are very much more involved than we had ever heard before correct yeah they are a lot more involved so there could be two reasons for that one reason could be that during the course of what's called the discovery process meaning the Mm -hmm. process where parties exchange information during these other cases or during the bankruptcy case, there's new facts or information that were found out that led to the filing of this particular complaint. So that's one reason. The other reason Mm. is that these claims have to be articulated specifically to relate to her, right? So she's no longer just one of the names on the other side of the V on the, in the defense. This is against her. She is going to be on the hook for this, individually if you remember go back to the last reunion um and you know she's really she can't say too much she'll say yep. enough she didn't really know what tom was doing why would she know about his yes. offense? why would she ever go on the show if she knew that he was engaged in this yes this, these types of absolutely activities? the tone and of it, all of it correct and why would she go on the show if she was engaged in these types of activities i mean that was really her the the gist of what she said uh well now She's being identified as somebody who is truly a part of this criminal conspiracy. And again, part of that is this is a new lawsuit against her in the jurisdiction where she uh, w- where there's really no argument that that she can't be sued. Right. Mm-hmm. So she's in California. Right. She's a resident of California. So that the the allegations are much more pointed at her. And like I said, the reason for that can really be twofold. My guess would be it's a combination of both because there's all these other litigations going on. And one of the primary factors that's been happening in the bankruptcy case is that there's a huge amount of money that is given from Girardi Keys to Erica Jane's right. company. And, and that is incredibly problematic from a civil liability perspective because right. the question is, where'd that money come from? That money's part of what was stolen from plaintiffs, what was not paid to other vendors, what was not paid to other firms. So it's money that was gotten by, uh, you know, fraudulent means. So mm-hmm. then that calls into question any and all revenue that she made, even from her company, because her company is on that ground right. of, oh, was that money ever really hers to begin with? Or was that money ever really Tom's to begin with? So it's really all these cases are super complicated and they're super interrelated. And the reality is with something like this, where we're talking about an astronomical amount of money, these mm-hmm. cases usually do settle. I will say that they settle, but 
when it comes to this type of money and when it comes to the complication of a bankruptcy proceeding, multiple other litigations, you've got Tom who's being investigated, who says he's incompetent to stand trial. This is a really, really complicated case. It, it truly is. Right. I mean, even, take away that they're celebrities. Take away that, you know, they're, they're reality right. stars. Just pretend like this is any other case that we would be analyzing. It's extraordinarily complicated. A lot of moving parts here. And we're going to learn more and more as time goes on. Number one, this case, Erica Jane will have to testify. Unless she can settle the case, she will be sitting down for a sworn deposition. That is that is not a question. So right. We'll wait and see what happens with that. I think we'll learn a lot of the answers to questions that she's been asked in a public forum, but obviously cannot answer because right. of the circumstances. But she'll be forced, you know, pedal to the metal. You'll be forced to respond to those questions. And what's going to come out? I mean, that will be a really interesting thing, especially since Tom is in a holding pattern right now based on the finding that he's not competent to proceed in any of these legal proceedings. Right. I mean, and so, and let's go. So they're actually asking for, it says at least 55 million. Is that what it is, right? Yeah, at least 55 million. Now look, in any complaint uh, that's filed, any any of these legal documents, mm-hmm. the number that's put into that legal document is is not always the number. Right. It's mm-hmm. an, it would yep. be an estimate of your best case scenario on your best day if everything goes your way. So that number isn't really indicative of what might truly be itemized, owed, whatever it might be. But we know that the allegations as far as the amount of money owed is in that range. Right. Because there's, yep. there's all of these different clients. There's all of these different issues. There's damages that are running from the fa- the, uh, the failure to pay those individual plaintiffs, you know, that's not just, oh, you didn't pay, pay whenever that accrues interest that, you know, there, there's a lot of other issues that go along with that. There's also damp potential damages and additional lawsuits relating to, you know, the breach of contract, you know, whether or not there could potentially oh, be emotional wow. stress, yes. whatever it might be. There's a ton, ton out there that could be pursued. And so, yeah, that number is not necessarily indicative of what it could be at the end of the day. But it mm-hmm. certainly gives you an idea of the type of liability the the plaintiff, who in this case is the co-counsel uh, in, in that in the Lion Air case, what they're really looking at and what they think this case could be, and how astronomically uh, how astronomical the damages could potentially be at the end of the day. And let me ask you this, because the trailer for The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills new season just came out yesterday. And so and it's explosive. And I mean, we actually see Crystal bringing up victims and Erica in a very heated moment. So it's definitely going to be something that they are clearly touching on again this season. But let me ask you, with this now filed again, how do you see it playing? out? I mean, this is it's kind of crazy because we're going to be seeing a whole new season. But this is also going to be playing out in very real time as well. Yeah. And again, it's the same thing we've spoken about, Lauren. I'm sure her lawyers. Oh, look, I don't know them. Disclaimer. I haven't spoken to them, but I know how I would feel. And now I have felt when I've handled cases that were playing out (laughs) in the public. And there's not necessarily a way to fully control what's going out there in the public sphere. So, look, 
I'm sure her lawyers told her, and I think she said this at the reunion. I'm saying more than my lawyers said I should. <laughs> right. But yeah, she I'm did. Sure her lawyers told her, don't do the show. I mean, that's that's would be the that's the advice of any attorney handling this case. Now, again, these are all civil cases. So right. there's a, right. a bit of a distinction between her and, for instance, Jen Shaw in Real Housewives Salt Lake City, who's facing a serious criminal case. Right. And, you know, there she's still on the show. I'm sure her lawyer said, absolutely don't do the show because you don't want to <laughs> impose any additional criminal liability on right. uh, that, that could be tacked on or nothing can come into the courtroom if you're not on television. If you're on television, everything can come into the courtroom. It's public. So same principle, different potential consequence. So for Erica Jane, Anything and everything that she says in a public forum is going to be fair game for mm -hmm. the other side to go after her. Now, no matter what that is, whether it's being fabulous on the show, yeah. living a fabulous lifestyle, wearing clothes that I don't even want to touch when I go into the sack. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's, yes, it's, it's because I can't, I can't afford to buy it and take it out if I ruin it. <laughs> I want to breathe on it. Yep, yep. That's exactly it. So, you know, all of that stuff, that's going to be part of the case. And by the way, so most of these cases go to a jury. So mm -hmm. both sides have to agree it, for a case to be what's called a bench trial, which means the judge makes a determination. And there's certain cases that it makes a lot of sense for it to be a bench trial. But most cases go to a jury. And if I'm the plaintiffs in this case who are attorneys, so, you know, they're not really they're, they're not new to this type of situation. If I'm them, I want a jury because mm -hmm. I will put every snippet of Real Housewives Beverly Hills up there. Right. Where she yes. dressed amazing taking a private flight, driving a fancy car, wearing Louboutins, whatever it is. And mm -hmm. I will use that to impugn her credibility because you don't have a Fifth Amendment right. To, uh, you, you don't. It's not like a criminal case. It's not like, oh, the, 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 you don't have to testify. The defendant can choose whether to testify. That's a criminal case where uh -huh. a defendant can say, I don't want to testify. In a civil mm -hmm. case, you can absolutely be compelled to testify. If there's something that could implicate you criminally, you could raise an objection during your testimony, but you don't get out of testifying in a civil case. It's a different forum. So me, mm -hmm. very interesting. I, this is what I do. I, and, and, you know, this is what lawyers do all the time in the world of social media. Forget reality stars. You pull anything and everything that's out there in the public. And to the extent that it is relevant to your case you put it up there and in in a civil case credibility is key because mm -hmm. that's going to be a big piece of that they're going to say you knew you were part of this you were actually an active participant in it which is what this complaint says and right. she's going to say no i didn't and the minute that that happens now you have a credibility issue who's telling mm -hmm. the truth right. and guess what it opens the door up to a lot of different inquiries and that this is all about money and where the money came from and how she made the money. Well, look, it doesn't look great to mm -hmm. be on television. Fabulous like that, like over yeah. the top, like right. Young. We're not talking like, oh, yeah, I of used course. to shop at Old Navy and now <laughs> I shop and, and I shop at all these stores. So I'm not saying anything negative about them, but right. you know, I used to shop at Old Navy and now I'm going to, you know, Bloomingdale's. It's like 10 steps above that. It's like yes. designer clothes. It's crazy. So. 
you know, even if say she borrows them, I don't know what the situation is. Of course. It's not a good look. It's right. not a good look. Right. I mean, well, it will be very interesting. And can I ask you this? Is that depending on how this all goes, could you ever in the future, not admit, not even necessarily her, I guess, depending on how this would play out, would you ever see criminal charges in this case in the future? Yeah. I mean, I would actually be pretty surprised if there weren't criminal charges against Tom Girardi. I don't know. Uh, that's what I was. Uh, yeah. That's why I was interested. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Because. Uh, and I say that not, not because of uh, I'm not making any assumptions because I truly I'm a defense lawyer, innocent or proven guilty, all that. But mm-hmm. I would I, I think that Tom Girardi has made some significant admissions. Uh, for instance, when he you know, remember, he was in court and he made the admission that he yes. has like 10. So some like astronomical amount of money in his bank account. Now it's zero. Yes. I mean, there was essentially admissions that, that there were certain clients who were not paid. So, right. you know, once you start down that path. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some criminal charges, there's intent, but then there's also reckless disregard. You know, there's right, there's right, right, right. Is, intent is most criminal charges are intent, but then some relevant criminal charges can be a uh, mindset or it's called mens rea, even at the at the point of reckless, which is slightly less than intentional, but it presumably could be implicated or uh could be relevant in this case. So I'd be really surprised if they're not criminal charges against Tom Girardi. At this moment, he has a finding that he can't stand for criminal. He can't stand for criminal charges right now. Right. So that's the holding pattern there. My guess is criminal charges are, are currently being shored up and investigated. I'd be shocked if we don't see them. As far as Erica is concerned, to me, that's hard to tell because. Yeah. Yeah, all of these are just allegations, civil allegations. Mm-hmm. I think it is pretty clear and a, a pretty easy case that many of her assets would be at risk, especially in the bankruptcy proceeding, and that many mm-hmm. of her assets would be at risk in other civil lawsuits, even though she's not involved with the law firm, that her assets might be an issue because of how they were generated, were they part of marital property, whatever. Uh, but about her separate and apart, I still have a hard time believing. And this is because I'm a lawyer and I guess I have some faith that yep. there's some <laughs> that there's some uh, st- preservation of the ethics. Uh, although yeah. we know Tom Girardi it was not uh, it was not ethical in many situations. I would imagine that there would be significant barriers for her to be involved in or know right. about a settlement of a case and how much money a case settled for and whether or not Tom was paying a settlement. I would think that that would be very much within the purview of the firm and very much within his purview. So I would be surprised if she was a part of that. But did she know something and did she help? Because that's the other piece of it. Did she help to move assets after the fact? Remember, in a case, you don't, you have to be part of either the planning uh, the commission or the cover up. The cover so up. That, those are the three PCC planning commission <laughs> cover up. Okay. So if you're a part of any of that, you can be yep. charged with a conspiracy and you can be FYI, equally as everyone. culpable. Yeah. And you can be equally as culpable as the mastermind. So that's, that's the, yes. Piece of it. So I don't know about criminal liability for her. I think one of the issues in this particular case that will be interesting is that when she is, being deposed or when deposed. she is ultimately on the stand, right? So mm-hmm. deposition or testifying yep. a trial, 
there is going to be an element of potential marital privilege as a defense, right? I can't answer mm. that question. It's a yep. communication between me and my husband at the time. I can't answer that communication because that's, you know, that was a communication between me and my husband and she would have to waive that. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I would, I would, if I were preparing her defense, I'd be thinking about all of those things. So I will think about it from both sides. So yes. <laughs> yeah. that's, what I, that's how I think about it. Exactly. Case. I'm very interested to watch it play out, and I'm very interested to watch this season and yes. also grit my teeth as I watch and think like, "Oh God, if I was her lawyer, I'd be so upset about I, that." You, you <laughs> know that it's going to take an, it's going to have to it's going to take you a, a little bit out of the show every episode because it's going to be in the back of both. But honestly, both of our heads every time we watch an episode, it's like, "Oh gosh, there it goes." Right, exactly. It's like, <laughs> oh my God. All right. Anyway, I'm really excited yes. to watch it. And we'll be keeping an eye on how this entire case plays out because... Of course. These, yeah, this this is actually... You know, we're talking about it because she's a real housewife and Tom Girardi was on the show. And that's why it's really in the public eye. But it, this is actually a tragedy. This this entire right. case is a, an absolute tragedy everything about it is tragic. everything about it it you is have all of these victims who put their trust in an attorney mm-hmm. and, and it's it to me it just boggles my mind I they know. put their trust in this attorney and some of them they're victims of of horrific yes horrific traumatizing events. yes yes and and they've suffered severe life-altering injury or in some cases for instance lion air these are the families that have suffered the loss of their loved ones. So to think that he's taking money and just having watched the show for years and years and years, should we take the big jet or the little jet? Like, yes, to me, it's just so appalling. Uh, And, and I think uh, that's probably why you see people butting heads in Mm -hmm. the show, because there has to be some acknowledgement of how terrible, terrible it is, whether she knew or not. It yeah. is just horrific, I, and it is such a breach of trust, and it's just, you know, uh, we're going to watch it, and it's maybe a, maybe a wake-up call uh, yeah. to, to keep an eye on some of the untouchables, right? Because that's yes. what he seemed to be. Yes. He's hooked up. He's investigated multiple times. Nobody's really doing anything about it until yep. push comes to shove, and, and there's no choice. But maybe maybe being a little more aware of the obligations that a lawyer has and as a client asking more questions, if anything comes of it, that would be the takeaway, something positive. Absolutely. Um, And the other thing is that I want to get to is that another thing in the headline, and this was a headline that you and I talked about, and I want you to just kind of explain kind of the update on this. A juror asked to be dismissed in the Parkland shooting case. And correct me if I'm wrong. I saw it was due to her sugar daddy. Can you explain exactly what's going on here? (laughs) Yes, Lauren, I can. So first of all, that headline, and I mean, not that we're nerds, but me and a bunch of my other legal analyst friends were passing this around and we we talked about it on a few shows Yeah, because this this is such a serious case. It's the Parkland shooting. Nicholas Cruz murdered 17 people in 2018, school shooting, absolute horrific, heinous case. Currently, jury selection is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, it's a difficult case to impanel a jury. It's a highly sensitive topic. It's a, it's a, you know, like a third rail from a political perspective. Yeah, people have very passionate views on both sides of the aisle. Uh, so, so that is an issue with selecting a jury. Also, highly publicized, 
also a lot of people were impacted personally knowing somebody you know having it happen in their community all that so there's a, it's really difficult to impanel a jury so uh a lot of the the judge is doing the voir dire the voir dire is when you ask each juror about themselves and yeah. you try to hash out whether or not there are any prejudices, any biases. Very important that. part that we've talked about on many of cases. Incredibly important part. And some some attorneys would say the most critical part of a trial is getting the right jury, getting jurors mm-hmm. without biases and all that. So this was really a moment of levity in a very, very <laughs> right? difficult case, uh-huh. in a very, very difficult a case to watch and a very, very difficult voir dire process. So this woman uh, says that, you know, she can't necessarily fulfill jury duty during the period of time where the trial is going to take place. She has some dates that she says, oh, I'm not available. These like five days or whatever. And then she says, but I've also got a sugar daddy that I see every day. So I would have to figure that out. So the judge, I must say this judge, so stoic, wasn't rattled, said, excuse me, Wait, okay, I'll come back to you. I mean, it was it was such a funny moment. So one of the reasons How do you that- not break on that? I mean, it's a kind of incredible. So go ahead, but this is a good judge. This judge is not going to get rattled. I could tell you cuz yep. I saw it and I said, "Wait, what?" And and I I had a reaction. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, this judge didn't have a reaction, but uh just just to tie it all back, one of the reasons that jurors will cite and that is appropriate in the court is if you have some sort of negative financial implication that could occur from you not being at work. So you get paid for jury duty. A lot of employers have to pay you for a certain amount of jury duty, but a case like this could go on for a significant period of time. And a lot of people, if they do work for themselves, uh, may have a valid reason to say, hey, I, you know, I can't sit for jury duty because no one does my job if I'm not there. Right. So right. Those are all reasons people cite. I will tell you, I've never, ever heard I have a sugar daddy that I have to see every day. I'm assuming First. I'm assuming <laughs> that that argument is somehow linked to that fina- negative financial implication. Yeah. I guess the sugar daddy. I guess. Yes. You Isn't don't see the, him. He doesn't the point? pay. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that, 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 I, think that's, I don't know I, how it works. But. Pretty sure that that's kind of the basis of it. But yeah. Very amusing. Very funny I, moment. Really, really, you know, kind of a, a moment in that case. But, yeah, uh, that, that was not the headline that I was expecting this week. Me neither. Of all the things, yes. But I will say just quickly on that particular case, because mm-hmm. that's going to be a big trial. Yeah, yeah. I that's going to yeah. be something we're covering. That's a case that could potentially be the death penalty. So that's even, you know, that it's, it's, it's one of yes. the most serious cases we're going to see. Uh, and especially when it comes to a death penalty case. It's mm-hmm. going to be really, it's going to be a big case to watch. Uh, and it's obviously fraught with emotion uh, at the at the lives lost. And it's a, it's a horrible case. Um, there was a ruling in this case, a pretrial ruling. Uh, the judge said that the jury will visit the Parkland school where the shooting took place. That's really big. The defense right that because... You know, the, from a That's... defense perspective, they said, look, there's pictures, there's photographs, there's there's many, many ways for the jurors to understand mm-hmm. what happened without actually going to the site. But the judge ruled that the site, there would be a site visit. Uh, defense wow. attorneys hate this because it puts the jury in a position where they can really picture what happened of that course. day. Mm-hmm. Prosecutors love it. And, you know, I would say yep. from the perspective of a juror, it does help. 
Yeah. Uh, but oftentimes it's objected to because for, for a variety of reasons. But in this particular case, the jury's going on the site visit. It'll be interesting to see how that plays into the trial because now when the, the prosecution or defense is talking about a specific area or a specific place where something happened, the jury is going to have stood in that spot. So it's going to be a, a huge part of the trial. It's a big ruling. Wow. Wow. It'll be a big deal. And you think that this trial should be getting started with the summer? Yeah, I think the summer. I mean, there's still there's still in jury selection. I think that it's expected to be probably June, July. Um, and and that's what the jur- the judge is asking about availability throughout that time period. So expect it to happen this summer. And again, it's going to be a really uh, a, a, it's going to be a big trial, a big case to watch. All right. Well, that's definitely one that we will be following um, as it co- gets started um, and as there's updates. And the one thing, so that's kind of it for today, but the one thing that we wanted to start doing is wrapping up because there's so much great true crime series that we are watching, that everybody's watching. And since this is such a true crime podcast and we are such fans, we kind of want to talk about the things that we're watching as well. And right now, the one that everyone's talking about is The Girl from Plainville, which is on Hulu. And it is the story of Michelle Carter and Misty. You and I covered this case back when it went down, and we had very we had interesting opinions on this one because I mean it was kind it was groundbreaking at the time, and still is. It's still yeah. a groundbreaking case. It was huge, and you and I did cover it, Lauren. We covered it. I mean, I think I I watched the whole thing. I watched yep. the trial. Um, we were covering it. I want to say weekly we were doing updates. So we were all up to speed on what was going on. Uh, So this case is Michelle Carter was convicted after sending thousands of text messages to her boyfriend, Conrad Roy, encouraging him to kill himself. It was so Mm -hmm. big and it was really a groundbreaking case because she was not in the same room as him. She wasn't in the same, you know, she wasn't even in miles and miles away. Yep. Miles and miles away. So she was, completely separate and apart from him. He ultimately, not to spoil the, you know, for people that don't know the story, spoil the show, please stop listening if you're going to watch it and don't want to know. But he ultimately uh, ended up killing himself. Mm -hmm. And and again, she was encouraging him via text message to go through with it. There were periods of time where he said, I want to stop. I don't want to go through with it. I'm going to stop. She said, no, 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 keep going. You know, and I'm paraphrasing. I mean, I'm Mm -hmm. paraphrasing because there were so many messages that you could possibly go through all of them, although I believe you and I read a lot of them, Lauren, in transcripts when we were preparing to break down this case. But, uh, you know, it was extraordinarily disturbing. He had had uh, issues previously. He did. Suicidal ideations. Mm -hmm. A large part of the trial was that she knew that. uh, And that was really what the prosecution focused on. She knew that he had these issues and that he had contemplated and thought about suicide before and she continued to encourage him to commit suicide while while through via text right. message while he was actually going through with it so it was beyond disturbing to read the messages the case was very very difficult to watch it was such a tragic loss and mm-hmm. i know lauren you and i actually had interesting perspectives on it because I was really thinking about it from the sheerly legal point of view. Uh, And and this relates to the way that the statute was constructed in that state uh, in Connecticut. The statute in Massachusetts did not have a separate 
statute that relates specifically to encouraging suicide. Interestingly enough, other states have that and other Mm. states had it at the time. So a case like this really falls within a statute like that, where there is this broad term of encouraging suicide. Instead, Mm -hmm. this fell within the Massachusetts manslaughter statute. So for me as an attorney, not because I was sympathetic to her, I really was not, but I really thought that there might be a hung jury or an acquittal because the statute, the, the requirement of the statute of that reckless disregard for human life or indifference to human life, words alone had never really been enough. Yes. And so that, that was really opening up the door to a whole new precedent about what could qualify under mm-hmm. the circumstances and how words alone could potentially qualify and hold someone criminally responsible for murder. And yep. to me, that was a stretch under the statute. Of course, the jury disagreed with me. The jury of convicted. Yeah. And I feel like the jury's you predicted I, I was like, I, because, well, because, you know, but that was what my struggle was is, you know, unrelated to the law and just looking at, at 17 years old and even though uh you know there was diagnosed on also on her end the defense talked about how she had depression and she had issues of her own but at 17 years old i mean this case is so disturbing not the thousands of text messages encouraging him to do it but he called her in the middle of doing it and she encouraged him to get back in the truck and there's just something that was so sinister and terrifying to me about that and that I and so thank God for lawyers and for courts and everyone that they can look at the law and remove it because I just went on feelings and it was just so shocking to hear especially when you're talking to these are young kids 17 18 years old it's just so young and it's so tragic so I feel like it really and I and I'm just kind of like everyone else is just why this is made into a series it gets it gets people riled up because it's still it's such a big case, but it, there's still also the law and you are absolutely right. And you have to be careful what that opens the door up to as well. Yeah. And Lauren, you're right though, because I think that a lot of people gravitate towards this particular story, uh, not only because it was obviously terrible and tragic, but it, we also live in such a digital world mm-hmm. and this was a few years back. So I yes, mean, obviously social media was still very prevalent and text messaging was still very prevalent. But even more so now, the series... It's the first time you heard text messages, I mean, being the basis of an entire case. I mean, it's like very new to everyone. Right. And Lauren, if you remember, one of the one of the major facts and one of the things I think was the most detrimental to the defense case was a lot of cover up after the fact. Yes. There were messages where she did. Oh, I didn't know. I mean, she really... The messages told the story, mm-hmm. so you could see the the yep. what happened that night, what happened leading up to it, what happened that night, and how she kind of walked away from it after lied a lot, and uh-huh. it was all writing. But, and that, oh yeah, and this really factored into a lot of uh, actually this particular case, just so everyone understands the broader implications and why this series does a really good job of capturing what happened or telling the story mm-hmm. obviously everything's dramatized but this is a very good um accurate depiction of what happened and a lot of the messages that are being used in the series yeah are true from the trial yep um, but but across the country states started to revisit yes bullying type statutes and started yep. to 
go to the legislature, redraft schools, looked at their policies. So it was actually a game changer as far as increasing protections yes. for this type of conduct digitally. So it's a, it was a very big case and the series is an excellent launch. Absolutely. I mean, and if anyone, Elle Fanning is playing Michelle Carter and when you see the side by sides, I, it is like watching her and the stories so fascinating and it does, everyone has to watch because you will hear about all of those like cover up esque after the fact things and you get to hear about how all of it went down and they do a great job playing it out for everybody. So it's definitely a must watch. We'll definitely have to do, you know, Misty, we've talked about, we want to do an open forum where we talk with some of the listeners about some of these true crime stories that everyone's watching on all of the Netflix and Hulu and all this stuff. So we can talk about all of our favorites with everybody yes that's a great idea lauren i think we should absolutely do that and i think it would be great for all of the listeners to participate so we'll make sure yes let us know what you guys are watching yeah please tell us yep definitely too i'm sure yes if we haven't already we will definitely and we can break it down questions you might have about them because that's i mean it's this is a big thing good watches out there so let us know what you guys are watching yes good watches and thank you so much for listening We will be back next week. We'll make sure to let you know. And have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening.